Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 10 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolship with Clegg and Cross, powered, of course, by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and joining me, as always, in the Toolshed is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, you must be as excited and giddy about this tonight's episode as I am, right? I am very excited, man. It's been a great Christmas weekend, and now we get to talk about the deepest by far deepest position of any of the prospect positions. And that is the shortstop position. And there are just ooboos of guys that we can talk about. It's going to be a long episode. Buckle in, enjoy the ride. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Make sure you got like a good three to four hours of time carved out for this episode. It's going to take like half your work day, but it's all right. No, it won't be three hours, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a nice episode. It's not going to be a short one. That's for sure. It ain't going to be like a 30 to 40 minute one. It's probably one of our longer ones, maybe our longest so far uh, in here in episode 10. Because obviously, like Chris said, there is a lot of exciting prospects to talk about here. We're probably going to talk about the top guys for like a good half an hour because they're that damn exciting. But before we get into all of that, a little bit of the normal housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at AirCross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot and help a lot, too, with our visibility on iTunes especially. And a little bit of personal plugs here that we do every week. Uh, For me, obviously, go get the Black Book. It's out on Amazon for Kindle and paperback copy, so definitely get that. A lot of good stuff in there. I had my updated Dynasty rankings last week, uh, right before Christmas. Uh, my updated top 500, and today, when you're listening to this, I ho- will have a, ep- a uh, article excuse me, on Luis Roberts, and then later in the week, an uh, article on his teammate Eloy Jimenez, and a Dynasty middle infield sell high article in the middle of that, and Chris has an article today on some exciting Kansas City Royals pitching prospects. He'll also have a Dynasty corner infield sell high article, and some uh, expected home run overperformers this week as well. Uh, so a lot of good stuff there. And make sure you also check out the other great podcasts we have on Fantrax HQ. Uh, my other podcast, the Five Tool Podcast, SP Streamer, Triple Play, 
on campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. So a lot of great podcasts there. And we will be starting our two, uh, 2021 draft kits on next Monday, the 4th of January. We were going to start on Friday on the 1st, but that didn't make any sense. Started on Friday the 1st, and people are probably drunk and hungover. Um, so we're going to kick that off on the 4th, and we're going to have a ton of content. A lot of the stuff we already have been pumping out all winter, all those, those player deep dives and whatnot, they'll be in it as well with some rankings, um, strategy, you know, a lot of good stuff here. Breakout sleepers, boss, all that good stuff. Uh, mock drafts, everything you can think of, we will have in there. We got a great team, so I'm very, very excited about that. But yeah, let's get into the show. Let's just get right into it. Let's not waste any more time. This is going to be a really fun episode, as we said. But Chris, let's start with our top fifth. Let's go top fifteen. Usually, we've been doing like our top tens or top twelves um, at each position for our personal ranks to start the show. Let's go top fifteen because top ten or top twelve just isn't enough here. So, Chris, who's your top fifteen here? Right, the top fifteen gets us to only like seventy-five overall, which <laughs> right. is not if that. <laughs> if you know? that yeah, it's that deep. So here we go. Number one, drumroll. I'm sure you can all assume. Wander Franco. Number two, Marco Luciano. Number three, C.J. Abrams. Number four, Bobby Witt Jr. Number five, Noel V. Marte. And those are all studs, man. Like easily, like borderline top ten guys. It's nuts. Number six, Austin Martin. Number seven, Jeter Downs. Number eight, Jordan Groshans. Number nine, Royce Lewis. Number ten, Jazz Chisholm. Number eleven, Nick Gonzalez. Number twelve, Hasyung Kim. Number thirteen, Geraldo Perdomo. Number 14, or Elvis Martinez. Number 15, Tyler Freeman. Rounding out the top 15. Who you got? So not much different here at the beginning of my rankings. A little bit different at the end of the top 15, but my top five is the exact same. Actually, my top six is the exact same as Chris. Juan DeFranco, Marco Luciano, C.J. Abrams, Bobby Witt Jr., Novi Marte, and Austin Martin. My number seven is Royce Lewis. Eight, Jordan Groshans. Nine, Jeter Downs. 10, Nick Gonzalez, 11, Jazz Chisholm, 12, O'Neill Cruz, which is one of the harder uh, prospects to rank right now, not at just this position, but just in general. And then um, 12, Ed, uh, Xavier Edwards, uh, that's 13, excuse me, and then 14, Robert Poisson, and 15, or Elvis Martinez. So like, like Chris said, that gets me to, I think Martinez is in my overall 65th, I want to say. I'm looking him up right now. 64th, yeah. Poisson and, and Martinez, my last two, are 62nd and 64th, respectively, in my overall. So, yeah, that doesn't get us too far. But w- let's start here at the top. We're going to spend a lot of time on these top guys, probably a good half an hour, because they're that damn good. Like, the top five, Marte is 12th for me. That, <laughs> you know, that is – and then Franco is number one overall for me in my top 250. Luciano, four. Abrams and Witt back-to-back, seven and eight. And then Marte, like I said, is 12th. So let's just start right at the top here. Let's just kind of go in order since we have the same list here. Chris, let's talk Wander. What do you got? A lot. Oh, we got a lot of Wander. <laughs> we do have a lot. I mean, he's – and as much as, like, I love Jared Kalinick, I love Marco Luciano, I love Julio Rodriguez, Wander is just head and shoulders above them. Like, it's hard to debate anyone being the number one prospect other than him. Like, you can make a fair argument – but Wander is that stinking good, man. Like the best hit tool, arguably the best hit tool we've seen of any prospect, like that solid, like 80 grade, insane stuff. The power's developing to potential 60 grade. The speed is plus as well. 
he's as close to a perfect prospect as we can imagine. Like, and that's, that's very bold. That's a, a lot to say about a, a guy who's only 19 years old, but that's how good he can be. And as he's plus at almost everything, he's that stinking good. So I don't see any holes in the game. I mean, you look at what he's done so far in his three minor league stops. So 2018, Rookie ball, 17 years old, slashes 351, 418, 587, 11 home runs, four steals, driven 57 runs in his 273 plate appearances. Crazy. The next stop in 2019 in single A, he hit 318, 390 OBP, 506 slug, hit six home runs, stole 14 bases in 272 plate appearances. Then they bumped him up to high A, where he proceeded to get better and hit 339, 408. OBP and a 464 slug. The power was lagging a little bit there, but still hit three home runs, stole four bases. Very well-rounded. He's got a nice distribution of line drive and fly balls. When the ball gets in the air, it's traveling even more now than it was. See, watching him some in the Dominican Winter League and just looked dominant. He was just, just mashing balls just naturally. He just has that natural power where it's just easy. It comes easy to him. He's a patient hitter. He walks at a high rate. So he's looking at, he in 2019 walked at over 11%, while he only struck out at like a 6.9% rate combined between low and high A, just insane stuff. So about as well-rounded as you can get. I'm not going to say it all. I'm going to give you some time because, <laughs> I mean, he deserves it and you deserve it too. Like this, the grades are out, off the charts. Wander is just that good. So what do you got? <laughs> yeah, you also need a little bit of a break here, so you can you can wipe up the drool from talking right. about Wander because <laughs> he, he is a what I call a drool inducing prospect. Um, yeah, he just hasn't struggled anywhere. Like the, the lowest average, any he's only been at three levels so far: the rookie level Appalachian League in 2018, Single A Midwest League in 2019, and then the Class A Advanced Florida State League later on in 2019. The lowest average at any level, as you can tell from what Chris said, was 318. Lowest OBP was 390. Lowest slug was 464. And that was as a 18-year-old in the Class A Florida uh, Class A Advanced Florida State League, which the average age is right around 22 to 23 for that league. So he like you said, there's no really I will poke a little bit of holes in the in the profile on the bases. I think there's some work to be done there. Like he's been caught in 17 of his 39 attempts. So he needs to get better on the bases, but He's got above average speed. Even if he's only an average speed guy, he's going to at least get in there 15 or 20 steals. He could get a little bit more than that. But right now, I'd say he's above average there. Plus raw power. Like you mentioned, 80-grade hit tool. Quickest hands I've seen since I started kind of analyzing profits, even before I started writing for fan tracks. And I was kind of just doing it on my own. Quickest hands I've ever seen. Bats, the barrel control, both sides of the plate. There's no platoon issues here. There's no, like, always oh, much better from one side than the other. No, he's damn freaking good from both sides of the plate. You know, a lot of people are always looking for the next, the next this person or the next that person. You know, if people are looking for the next Juan Soto, it could be Wander Franco. Now, let me say this. I don't think he's going to have quite Juan Soto power. Like, Juan Soto could be a 40-homer guy. I don't think we see Wander Franco at 40. Could we see Wander Franco at 30? Yes, absolutely. I think he's going to be like that, you know, high, mid to upper 20s, low 30s type of guy. Maybe he runs in the mid 30s in, in his peak physical years, you know, five, six years down the road from now. But I think he might even, but he can hit just as, 
he, his hit tool right now was graded better than Soto's was at the same time. Like Soto had a lot of like 60 grades in his hit tool. And obviously he's just gotten better and better to the point where, you know, he's batting title contender year in, year out. And I think Wander could be that same guy hitting 320 plus with super high floor, add in 25 plus home runs, you know, 15 to 20 steals, maybe even a little bit more if he gets better on the base pass. But yeah, this guy, there's just, you know, we can get, we can have a whole episode to talk about Wander Franco. We really could. He's still only 19. He'll be 20 on the 1st of March. And he could be up later, you know, later in 2021. That's not out of the wrong possibility, even though there's no like glaring opening in that Tampa Bay infield or at shortstop, you know, because Willie Adamas has been pretty solid there for the last couple of years for Tampa Bay. But Wander is going to force his way in there when he's ready. He probably starts at double A, would be my guess. Isn't there long. And we could see him as early as June, wouldn't surprise me. Probably more like I'm feeling more like August would be more realistic for him. But so I wouldn't go drafting him unless you have you know the super deep like fifty you know fifty round drafting hole or something like that. Super deep benches, then you could. But he's being drafted as like I think his ADP is in like the two hundred range somewhere's. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just don't see him being up quick enough to make that type of impact. You're basically assuming he's going to come up and just absolutely tear it up right off the bat, which he could absolutely. He's on every level so far. But that's kind of a risky proposition in redraft leagues. So I probably wouldn't touch him in redraft leagues outside of those super deep leagues, like I mentioned. But yeah, you know, he's just the overall line, you know, in 175 games, 37 doubles, 14 triples, 20 bombs, 110 RBI, 128 runs scored, 336, 405, 523 slash. Like you mentioned, he he has not struggled yet. Super strong dude. Even he's not a big dude. He's like he's listed at 5'10, 190. I think he might be a little bit more than that now. I think he might have bulked up this late just by looking at him recently on his Instagram videos when he's like chucking tuck tuck uh chucking truck tires. God, say that five times fast. Um, but you know, he is going to be an absolute stud. We all know that. So I am I got him in my homekeeper league, thank God. I got him a couple years ago, actually, uh, late in the draft when nobody was really looking at him in my league. So I'm very thankful I got him there. Um, and anybody I will not give him up unless you get a king's ransom for him but at the same time this might be i would not not trade him i would not like 100 not trade wander is you could get a really good offer so i'd listen at least on wander franco like i said i won't be actively trying to move him at all because because how good he is but hey if someone comes and offers you like two top 30 mlb players right now like let's just for instance say like you know kyle tucker and Who's on the good guy? Kyle Tucker and like Luis Castillo, because that could be an offer. I could that you could get that would intrigue me, you know, because no prospect is a guarantee, obviously. But yeah, so Wander Franco here is our number one guy. Moving on to number two with Lu- Marcus Luciano here, a little bit different of a profile here, more power. Uh, just absolutely tore it up in the um, Arizona League in 2019. 322, 438, 616 slash line, 10 bombs, nine doubles in 38 games, added in eight steals too. But this is one of the best power hit combos in the minors. He's basically Torkelson with a slightly better hit tool and maybe even a slightly a little bit more speed. Obviously, he has more speed, but he can add that speed element into um, very quick hands with Luciano as well. It's absolutely thunderous bat. Bat speed is ridiculous. The ball just jumps off his bat, and he has more power projection too. He's only about 180 right now listed, six two frame. I think he could add a little more bulk to there too. So we could be looking at a 280 plus hitter 
30 plus home runs, you know, add in, you know, 10 to 15 steals. I don't think he'd be more than like an average runner moving forward. So I don't think, don't look at those eight steals in 38 games and think he's a 20 plus steal guy. I don't think he is, but this is that middle of the order bat in the making that, you know, could move fairly quickly too. He's also 19, like he's a few months younger than Wander is, but we probably won't see him till probably 2022 or 2023. But, you know, this bat should carry quickly through the system. Yeah. And so I think that he's going to be the number one prospect after the season. I really do because I think Wander comes up exhaust eligibility. I think Kelnick comes up and exhaust eligibility. J Rod potentially, but I think Luciano jumps J Rod personally. He's that good. Like you mentioned, I mean, he's got just so much raw power. I think he has the most power of any infielder in the minors, honestly, like above torque, like you said. Just raw power is insane. He gets so much bat speed. He's got a ton of strength for what was a wiry build that I think he's filling out. So the more he fills it out, that power is just going to grow. Gets a ton of loft in his swing. I mean, the promising approach for a young age. He was 17 in 2019 doing what he was doing, just absolutely tearing it up. He showed elite plate discipline, walking at a high rate, not posting high strikeout numbers, just impressive all around. And like you mentioned, I think that the upside's like 300 with 40 home runs, like that good. And so that's something to dream on, obviously. And that's probably like 90th percentile outcome, but that's how good he can be. And we think about this, like his career is just starting. Like the last time we saw him, like he was 17. So there's a lot of, a long way to go for him to reach that ceiling and a lot of projection, but we saw him in alt site. The videos we did see, I mean, he was just mashing balls to the moon. <laughs> and so if you saw any videos at the Giants camp, like he was just killing it. I mean, he's got a high baseball IQ. He's a very good athlete. Whether he stays at short or not long term is a question, but yeah. does it matter? I don't think no. so. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because the bat's <laughs> going to play anywhere, right? We talked about that with Torque, whether he plays first or third. It doesn't matter. The bat's that good. Yeah. The, ba- the bat's going to play in fantasy wherever he is. So honestly, for fantasy purposes, with how deep shortstop is, could benefit you if if Luciano moves off shortstop. I'd go yeah. out and acquire him right now. His price is going to soar. Like what? It's already high right now, but I'm telling you, it's going to be very, very high. Like n- this time next year, we're going to look at him where we're looking at Kelnick. And yeah, so I was, I was, I was just going to say that it's going to be like Kelnick, J Rod levels of of price tag for next year. Absolutely right. So right now he's probably like borderline top 100 asset for dynasty next year you're looking at top 40 so you got to go out and get them now i think while the price is semi-reasonable i'm not going to say it's reasonable but go out and get him, man like he's going to be that good he's going to keep developing there's superstar potential here and i'm just thinking that it's all going to hit like obviously prospects are risky but i see this guy just and it seems pretty safe overall from from everything i've watched everything i've seen He's that good. The hit and power combo is just absolutely elite. I love it. So I'd go out and get him, pay the cost. You know, it's not going to be what it could be, but it, it's going to cost you something. But I'd recommend buying now. Yep, totally agree. And for reference, I have him 87th in my top 500 dynasty rankings, right between Sixto and Charlie Blackman. So, you know, that's a rough way to price tag there. You know, Anthony Rizzo, Eugenio Suarez, Kettle Marte, Lourdes Gurriel, some other names in that area. Uh, so definitely, yeah, I can see him another full year in the minors of him doing what he can do. 
yeah, he's the jump into at least J-Rod territory. And where do I have J-Rod? 51 overall. So, yeah, definitely a good jump potential here. Like you said, with these guys, yeah, you'd like them to, him to stay at shortstop. We'd like Austin Wells and Dalton Varsho to stay at catcher and Novi Marte. But, like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're going to be freaking studs, like potentially studs at outfield or third base or second base, wherever wherever they move to, the bat is going to be elite, like you mentioned. And we, we both kind of said it, like arguably the best hit power combo in the minor leagues, you know, up there with torque and obviously wander, but the other way around the hit being more than the power. But yeah, we, yeah, 340, that's definitely the ceiling. That's definitely attainable there. He's a middle of the order guy. And that San Fran lineup too is going to be pretty, you know, it's not great now. <laughs> it's actually very atrocious right now. But um, you get like, him up there, and by, by the time Luciano gets up there, Bart will hopefully be established and you know, hitting as a you know middle-of-the-order guy. Hunter Bishop, Helio Ramos, Luis Matos, you know, Luis Toribio. There's a lot of offensive talent in this system. This is a very offensive-heavy system as opposed to pitching. So this could be a, a sneaky good um, and potent San Fran lineup too, and he'll, he'll be hitting right in the middle of that, probably hitting third, but Joey Bart hitting cleanup or something like that, with like Matos hitting second. So this is going to be you know potentially a very good lineup. So yeah, Luciano looks like a four and a half category stud in the making. And moving on here to our next guy, who is very very different, super high upside obviously, but speed first guy is C.J. Abrams, who I wrote an article on him. Ah, six months ago, I don't remember when it was at this point. I think it was during the season, or maybe it was during the the COVID break. Actually, it was it was during the COVID break. So back in like let's say May or so. I am super high on Abrams. He is now in my top ten at number seven overall. Tw- just twenty years old, Chris. You know how excited should people be about CJ Abrams? Very very excited because he's could turn into Trey Turner. So yep. envision, envision where Trey Turner's ranked in your brains and how we view him in fa- in the light of fantasy, like five by five roto, and and then envision that's what CJ Abrams can become. And Abrams, honestly, which is crazy, he may have more speed than Turner, which is hard to do. He may be faster. Could be an eighty grade runner, which is is nuts. The hit tool potential seven on it, which is insane. So he's that good with developing power. Right now, the power is is lacking a hair, the game power at least. But I think if he really taps into that raw power, I mean, he's got the frame that he could really develop some power, in my opinion. And so you're looking at that kind of caliber player if all hits right. Again, we say these things, we throw these comps, and these are like high-end outcomes. So don't get overly excited or say that we're too high on these guys. Like This is like a peak projection type thing. So if all goes right, then you're looking at a potential – Trey Turner type guy who can hit above 300 that can give you 20 to 25 home runs and steal 35 bases or more. The home runs may be generous, like maybe, but I see that in the frame. Like if he puts on some weight, if he develops that frame a little bit, I really think the power develops and he can get to that 20 to 25 threshold. And we're seeing it with Trey, honestly, now, like even I think Turner's 27. And so he's, he's still growing into it. So it takes time for these guys to like this mold. It takes time for them to really develop power. And you've seen it with, with Trey Turner. I think you'll see it with Abrams as well. Like it does take a little time, but it's going to come. 
And so he's steadily going to be growing in that power. The speed should stay consistent long-term. Like I see him as a high-end runner for throughout his twenties, at least he's just that quick. And you watch him and you're just amazed. Cause he just blows right past you. Like you came in your eye. can't even keep up with how fast he's going. Right. But he's going to play up the middle again, whether he sticks a shortstop, we don't know. I think he could play second or center field. Doesn't matter. I don't care where he plays. Like yep. we said, the other guys don't care. He's going to be an elite asset wherever he goes. And he's probably going to be on the fast track. I mean, I could see him. There's, there's not a lot of room on that roster right now, but he's going to develop quickly. I think he could debut likely probably 2023, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him late 2022. If all hits right. I don't know where he starts this year, obviously without the 2020 season, it's hard to say, but you could easily see him start in high a and moving up to double a pretty quick this year. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him up sooner than later, but man, Abrams is exciting. I know you're more excited about him than I am. So <laughs> what you got? <laughs> yeah, no, like I guess I wrote that article for a reason. And, you know, I don't put guys in my top 10 that have 40 grade power. You see a lot of 40 grade power, you know, um, grades on his power right now. But the reason why I wrote the article, the reason why I have him top 10 is like you mentioned, I see that power projection there with the swing. There's some natural loft there. There's some physical projection on that frame as well. I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever going to reach, you know, 25, 30 bombs like Trey just did. But I do think he can get up 15 to 20 annually. I think he could be an, or an average power guy. Who knows? You mentioned, you know, Trey was that area, like the average power, 15 to 20 home run type until this past year when he broke out power wise. But so we'll, we'll see there, but with Abrams, another comp too, that I, I kind of like, it's, yeah, go back a little bit more for this one, which makes me feel old. Cause it wasn't that long ago. He was a young player. Think of like what we all thought Carl Crawford was going to be for Tampa Bay like early career when he was like, supposed to be like a tw- 15 to 20 homer type, you know, ton of speed, good average. And he did that for a couple of years. And then obviously injuries to wrote his career, he was a giant flop in Boston, which I'm still a little bitter about, uh, even though it was like seven, eight years ago at this point, maybe even more. But that is the that's the upside CJ Abrams has. Like you mentioned, the hit tool is at least plus. He's shown that the contact skills are there, speed's there, the approach is there. You know, doesn't strike out a lot, can work the count. This is a guy that's going to hit first, second in the order in front of guys like Tatis and Machado. And oh my God, that's just going to be with his. On base skills, his speed, and the guys that are likely gonna be hitting behind him, dude. This is this is gonna be a ton of runs scored, like a ton of runs scored. And you know, Trent Grisham will be hitting behind him as well. This is gonna be the San Diego lineup's already really good. It's gonna keep getting better with Abrams likely hitting near the top of it in a few. Yeah, he's still a few years away. So you know, obviously, maybe Machado is a step down from what he is, and now at that point in time, as he enters his thirties, but. Abrams is going to be a stud. He's got that speed that can make a real, real difference. You know, we always look at those big speed guys, and he's a speed guy that's not a zero in the power. I'd say he could be 10 to 15 at least, maybe 20 with that power projection that he has. Guy, yeah, CJ Abrams is just going to be a stud. So definitely, definitely very excited about him. He's one I'm definitely looking forward to seeing in 2021 more so than others. I do think probably high A starts. I see him at double A, maybe end of the year. We'll see how that goes. But um, so probably earliest, you'd probably see, see him as like second half of 2022. San Diego 
can push guys if they think they're not afraid to push guys. They we, they've shown that with Gore, they showed that with Tatis, they showed that with Chris Paddock. You know, they've pushed guys before if they've shown that they're ready, if they've handled the level they're at. So don't be surprised if they do the same thing with Abrams if he continues to handle each level very well as he has so far in this you know only debut in 2019. But very very excited about him. And then right right behind him, directly behind him in my rankings at eight overall is Bobby Witt Jr., who we talked about him a bit in our uh, top 25 projected in 2023 uh, rankings that we did. What was that about? about a month? About a month ago now. At this point, we both had him in the top three. I think we had him second or third overall, um, right right behind uh, Marte and um, Luciano. But he is one where he's one of the few 30-30 caliber prospects in the minor leagues. Hit tool was kind of a question when he got drafted uh, back in 2019, but that is definitely he's cleaned up a lot of things. He got rave reviews this year at the alt site. You know, bat speed, power, speed, it's all there. Even if he's just an average hit tool, which that's where I have him now, but I've seen some above average hit tool grades thrown on him lately. So he kind of made me borderline 50-55 hit tool there. But even if he's just like a 270-ish guy, this is a potential 30-30 bat in the making. You know, big power, big speed, like I mentioned. ton of Tons of bat speed, quick hands, natural loft, ball just jumps off his bat. So the power speed here blend here is ridiculous. But Chris, what do you got? Yeah, he's like a, a plus machine. He's plus like grades everywhere other than hit, like plus power, plus speed, plus arm, plus field. He's probably going to stay at shortstop. Like, out of all these guys that we're going to talk about here, I think I'd put, if I had to rank them one through five, these top five, in terms of their you know percentage chance they stay at shortstop, I'd probably go wit first. Wander second. Uh, yeah, the three are kind of close. Probably Luciano third, Abrams fourth, and Marte fifth. So if you if you want a guy that's all right, I need my guy to stick at shortstop. I'd probably go wit. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, he's great in the field, got a great arm, so I don't see any reason he doesn't. It is interesting. The there's been talk out of camp. I don't know if it's true, but that they've been trying him at center field to get him into the lineup earlier, which, and then I see the moves that the Royals make and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like they're, they're signing these, you know, fringe outfielders like Michael Taylor. And it's like, you know, they're, they're taking away from Franchi Cordero's time. So you, you, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see Wit debuting this year, even though some people have said like he could make the opening day roster, which would be absolutely nuts if he actually did. I mean, he's 20 years old, hasn't played above rookie ball and, I don't see it, but who knows? And crazier things have happened. The Royals did push uh, a couple of their pitchers this year with Singer and Bubich, so could happen. But like you and, said, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was in, they they pushed. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the jump was for Mondesi. Remember he jumped. Well, I'm booking it up right now. It was at least from like high A, I think. Um, okay, it, it was double A, but that's um, not. Yeah, double A, but yeah, still they're not afraid to push guys either from the looks of it. Yeah, don't be afraid and scared off by what Witt's stat line was when he debuted. I mean, you look at it and you see a 262 average, a 317 OBP, 354 slug, just one home run, nine steals. That's encouraging. Nine steals in 37 games was definitely encouraging. But he hit the ball on the ground a lot. The home run to fly ball ratio was absolutely terrible at 2%. 
please don't look at that small sample and say, oh, wit doesn't have any power because I've heard that. Don't say that, please. Wit has power. power. He's got plus power. He can hit 25 to 30 bombs pretty easily. The speed is elite for him to easily steal 20, 25 bags. And if it, like you mentioned, if all hits right, like just one season, if everything went right, he could be a 30-30 guy, which how many people can do that? Very few. Very, very few. I mean, okay. think about in recent memory, Yelich did it, Acuna did it. I can't think of any many others that did it. But yeah, you, you can count them on one hand over the last like several years. Right. So it takes an elite person to do that. And that's that's what his upside is. And so he's he's gonna be a stud, no question. I'm I'm super thrilled about with and we're we're saying this about all these guys, but they're all that good, obviously. And he's gonna be one to really watch out for in 2021, whatever class level he starts at, I'm really hoping that he starts in single A in high A box. He'll be in Columbia, South Carolina, pretty close to me. I can go watch him and Eric Pena. Like I'm hoping these guys are there. That'd be pretty awesome. But uh, regardless, I think Witt's going to be a guy that you're going to see him this year and you're going to be like, wow, like can't believe we doubted the power if, if you ever did that. <laughs> so Witt's elite, just like all these other guys, the upside's absolutely tremendous. And He's very exciting. And that transitions us to another top dog. Once again, we've got another big dog, and that is Noel V. Marte with My the Mariners. Boy. Right? As if the Mariners don't have enough studly talent at the top with Kelnick and J-Rod. They've got this guy named Noel V. Marte, who's also a borderline top 10 prospect. He's young. He just turned 19 several months ago in October. 2019, man. He debuted at 17 and just set the world ablaze, hit nine home runs, stole 17 bases in just 65 games, hit 309, had a 371 OBP and a 511 slug. Pretty stinking impressive. Had a big fly ball, right? A lot of these balls flew out because he hit the ball in the air 40% of the time. Not going to be super healthy, but again, small sample. That could really iron out. Marte was a guy that I was thrilled about, like even before this. And so I was excited to see him make jumps because when, sometimes when you have these guys that you're really high on and they actually come through, it's like you get excited. So Marte was a guy for me that, that I loved for a long time. I, I took him in a startup dynasty in 2018, like really deep. And then he's just blossoming. And I'm just sitting here. He's sitting in my monitors and I'm just absolutely loving it. But anyway, Marte, great hit tool. Great game power, solid speed, all around. He's he looks to be very solid, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna get pretty thick. Like I think the speed does decline. Like he's he could be like sixty grade runner now. I could see it decline to maybe like above average speed because I think that he really fills out that frame. Like he's got the kind of frame you just see him. You you see what J Rod did. Like J Rod just bulked up and filled out his frame. Like that's kind of the path that Marte is following. But the power is legit. The hit tools. I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't say the hit tool is like plus, but the hit tool is very solid. I could see at least above average on the hit, and it, when he makes contact, it's just—I don't know. It's just so impressive the sound that the ball makes off the bat. He's got a great swing path. I love all that he offers here, and so I'll stop gushing over Marte and let you talk a little bit about him. <laughs> see, this is what you call. This is the segment of the show we have to call prospect porn because it. <laughs> It is X-rated. It is not suitable for work. NSFW. Oh man, all these all these guys we talked about so far. I mean, Marte, you know, you brought up brought up Kelnick and uh, J Rod. 
Marte's upside is just as high as them. Just as high. Obviously, he's not as advanced. You know, doesn't have quite the hit tool that those two have. So that's where, you know, this, this floor, you know, this development's not quite as high or as, or as advanced. But the upside's right there is because he could hit for a good average, lots of power, good amount of speed as well. I do, I do agree that I do think the speed right now, I, I which I would, would grade as a six right now, I think that does go down to above average territory as he fills out. Um, there's a good amount of projection on that frame. But even so, even if he's just a 15 to 20 steel guy, you're going to get 25 plus bombs. You're going to have a solid average. You know, he's shown that he can walk a little bit, not, not a super high walk rate, but he has shown that he can work the count a little bit. And even that 40% fly ball rate, I'm not like totally deterred by that. It shows that he, there's a lot of natural loft off his bat. Yeah, you don't want him hitting too many fly balls. But the fact that you know, the ball does jump off his bat, there's a lot of natural carry there. You know, and he, he did walk around 10% of the time. So he's shown he can walk. Strikeout rate is not, you know, it's not great. It's not wander levels, obviously. But, you know, there's no huge strikeout issues here. You know, strikeout rate was right around, I think, like 17 ish, 17, 18% in rookie ball. Um, so no huge concerns there. No huge holes in the swing. So much bat speed from the right side. And like, like you mentioned, the, the sound off his bat, he's already producing, you know, illustrious exit velocities for someone his age. He's really, really just put a charge behind the ball. So, yeah, he's going to be an absolute stud. And, yeah, it's not even fair. Like, the the, the three Mariners they have, and the, all in my top 12. Like, if, if you're making an upside alone, they're all in the top six. You know? So, it, it's almost not even fair. But it, it, Seattle's been kind of in a bad spot for a bit. So, they, they kind of deserve this little bit of a time in the sun here with, with this trio. And, like, like I mentioned, He's probably the least likely to stick at shortstops because he's well. He's got a solid arm defensively. He's still pretty rough around the edges. I'm not saying there's a zero percent chance he sticks at shortstop long term, but if I had to guess, maybe he moves over to the hot corner, maybe to the outfield. Those probably I'd put those as more likely scenarios than shortstop. But like we've been saying, it doesn't matter the power, speed, the hit tool he brings. This is also good. The upside is an early round fantasy asset if everything clicks right. Um, so definitely, you know, I like to. I'm like, yeah, like you mentioned, Chris. I'm so you know when you see these guys hit that you kind of were on early in in their process. It just feels good. You know, it, you get that warm and fuzzy feeling inside. And you know, I obviously I didn't discover Marte by any stretch. I wasn't the first one to be like, oh, look at Novi Marte. But I think I was one of the earlier ones that kind of like pushed him as an elite dynasty guy and i think my ranking has always been a little bit higher than everyone else's right now having 12 and you know you see a lot of the other industry lists are you know getting him up there as well now so the upside here is just super super high still only night he just turned 19 like a month ago it was like october he turned 19 so still very young but pretty advanced for his age all that upside him j-rod and Koenig in the middle of that order along with like Evan White and Kyle Lewis and all them. That's going to be a very fun lineup to watch for the next five to 10 years. And you probably won't see Marte for a few years now. He's still, I'd say 2023 ETA probably, but you know, he's going to be, you know, hitting right in the middle of that lineup along with them. So potential here for a, a five category fantasy star, but all right, we got through the, <laughs> the big guns here. So let's take a quick break. So Chris and I can regroup, regroup, catch our breath, wipe up our drool, take a breather, 
And we'll get right back on the other side and talk plenty of more exciting prospects. So stick with us. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. We've been talking all the studs so far, but there are a lot more intriguing options at this position. So we got a long way to go. So stick with us. Grab your popcorn, get a drink, go to the bathroom. You know, pause it right now. This is the time to do it. So let's get into a little segment here, a little buy sell segment, talking about two prospects who are kind of you know both trending down in some people's rankings. But personally, for me, I am on. The buy low end on one and the sell end on another. That is Royce Lewis of the Twins and Ronnie Mauricio of the New York Mets. Let's start with Royce Lewis here as he is the higher ranked one for us in our consensus rankings. Kind of like a tier below that kind of in that second tier below these studs we've already talked about. With Royce Lewis, you know, he was the former number one overall pick back in the 2017 draft, a high school prep guy that the Twins drafted in the top overall spot. And his first two years were pretty good. You know, 2017 in his debut, 279, 381, 407, four bombs, 18 steals, and 54 games. And then 2018 between low A and high A, 292, 352, 451, 14 home runs, 28 steals in 121 games. And that was when he kind of ascended to top 20, top even top 10 on a few lists for for dynasty lists, at least for prospect rankings. And then 2019 came along very down year for him, 236, 290, 371 overall. So had 12 home runs, 22 steals, but kind of regressed across the board. Didn't walk as much, struck out more power went down. This stolen base efficiency went down, but he, he's the one that I'm still, looking to buy right now as, as, as his price tags kind of dipped a little bit because this tools, I still love the tools here. I'm, I'm thinking above average hit, you know, he's shown that great ability for great feel for hitting. And he showed that his first two years, is he going to be a 300 plus hitter? Probably not, but 280 in that ballpark, I think is definitely reasonable. Kind of what he showed prior to 2019. So 280, 15 or so home runs, 20 plus steals, he's a plus runner right around average raw power. You know, he's got 30 home runs and 68 steals combined and little about two years of minor league action. So that's like a 15-34 pace. I don't think he'll be a 30-plus steal guy. I can definitely see 25 in that you know, mid to upper 20s. And you know when I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League in 2019, I was out there for you know, five days, six days or so, he tore it up. He Not only did he win the MVP award of their Fall Stars game, which is their version of the All-Star game, he won the MVP for the entire league as well. Slash 353, 411, 565, three home runs, 20 RBI, 21 runs, and five steals in 22 games. He was just spraying liners all over the field. So the the tools are still there. Whether he ends up at short, who knows? He got some looks. He played a lot of third out there. He's also gotten some looks at center field. 
So long-term position is kind of still up in the air. At least there's some flexibility there for how the Twins want to use him and Jorge Polanco and everyone. But I'm still very high on him. Yeah, he has dropped down a little bit in my rankings, but still top 25 guy. Definitely a good buy low here. Chris, are you buying low on uh, on Royce Lewis as well? Yeah, because he's so toolsy, like you mentioned. There's just there's so much upside here, and I feel like that his draft or his not draft price, but his, his price in general is soured a little bit for some. So if an owner is willing to sell low, then heck yeah, I'm buying. Man, this is a guy with an impressive combo of both tools and just a great high baseball IQ. And so you mentioned the fall league stuff that was super encouraging, and. I was hoping to see him, and you know, if we saw him in 2020, like, could he build on the fall league? Certainly hope so, but uh, I don't know. I'm just torn on him. The OBP floor is kind of low. He doesn't walk. It's super high rates, but for batting average leagues, like you mentioned, he's got solid average. Didn't strike out a ton, even in 2019 when he his numbers inflated. It was only around like 21%, so it wasn't terrible. Yep. If that's like the worst he gets, then you're not doing bad. I just fear, I hate to say this, I fear Byron Buxton. I just see it. Uh, <laughs> it's decline, the potential, the baseball athleticism, and it's just like, can he put it together? Same system. I don't know. I think I think Lewis can put it together, though. I'm more confident in that. The swing's a little noisy, but I'm not it, concerned. It is, yeah. It, it's, it's a loud swing. There's a lot of moving parts there. It has quieted down a little bit, but still, yeah, you'd, you'd like to see that cleaned up a little bit. But yeah, so I'm still by low. Sounds like you're kind of are, but not quite as much as me. I know you have a little bit lower. Yeah, you have a little bit lower in your rankings, but I think we're both, you know, if the cost is right, definitely buy low on Royce Lewis. But going to the other player here, one that I'm not as high on moving forward. And I know you're not, you're even lower than I am. I thought I was the low man on Ronnie Mauricio, but Chris, why are you even lower than I am? Because we're talking about people putting plus power on this guy and he hits weak ground balls in the infield hits a high ground ball rate. He had 54% ground ball rate in 2019. He doesn't hit the ball consistent at all. There's a lack of strength. There's not good length in his swing. He just induces a lot of weekly hit balls, right? All right. He's got the projectable frame. I understand that but he doesn't have plus power. He just doesn't. I don't see it. If he de- if he develops in this, I'll just I'll eat it. I'll eat crow. I'll be wrong. I don't care. But I am probably the lowest on Ronnie Mauricio of any prospect ranker, and I'm going to take a lot of flack for it. Like I released my top 100 on Twitter uh, yesterday, and my top 300 will be coming out, and you'll see where he is. He I'll just tell you he's at 136. Is it too low? Possibly, but I don't really care. I don't see any. I don't see the upside for fantasy, honestly. <laughs> he's not a great runner. Uh, he's only going to get worse as he fills out his frame. I mean, he's listed at was he listed six three one sixty six. He's going to continue to digress in speed wise if he fills out the frame. I think the power's average at best. The hit tools average at best. So I don't see what the the craze is. I'm sorry, Mets fans. You've got a lot of good prospects that I think will jump up in like Francisco Alvarez and Matt Allen, guys that I really like. Peter Armstrong, Isaiah Green, but Ronnie Mauricio ain't that guy. Just going to say it. He's not my guy. I'll be the low man on him. That's fine. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll own it, but 
I'm just not seeing it. He did steal six bases in 2019. He had just hit four home runs in 504 plate appearances. Four, but you, we're throwing plus power on him? Come on, y'all. We got to stop this. His ISO was freaking 0.089. 0.089 ISO. All right. Can we stop the plus power? All right. My rant's over. I'm not the <laughs> Ronnie Mauricio guy. You know that. Everybody knows that now. It's out in the open. I'll throw it back to you. I wish I had taken screenshots or something that was recorded. You you had some great facial expression during that <laughs> rant. It was epic. It had me in stitches. I'm sure people probably heard me laughing from it. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that little rant there. I'm right, I'm right with you, though. I, I guess I never thought I'd I'd come meet someone that was lower on Mariso than I am, but I did with you. That said, he one thing we have to keep in mind here, though, Mauricio has been very, very young at every level. In 2019, he was in the South Atlantic League, low A, at 18. Played the entire year at 18. And he just he had just turned 18 on April 4th, right, at the begin, right around the beginning of the season. So very, very young for every level so far. So that you got to remember when looking at Mauricio. But I echo a lot of what you said. I just don't see the hit tool and power developing to where some thought it could, you know, there's still projection. Like he still has a ton of projection. So maybe he gets to maybe get the power can get close. I don't think it's going to be plus, but he would need an approach change for it to get there. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of ground balls in that profile, but there's just not a lot I like in this profile. I think he's more, Average hit tool, maybe above average to above average power, average around average speed. That's that's solid. I think he could be something, but I don't think he's gonna turn into a stud. I don't think he's gonna be a guy that's hitting 280 with 30 bombs and 15 steals. Maybe you're looking at a 260 to 270 hitter with maybe 20, maybe 20 bombs, you know, eight, you know, five to ten steals. I don't think he's especially if he fills out more. And you see that speed even tick down a little bit. So like I said, there's 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 something to like here. Like this is we're not. I'm not saying like he sucks, but I just don't see him being an elite prospect anytime in, in his career, or even a, an above average, maybe maybe slightly above average major league shortstop. But that I think that's a ceiling. And like I said, he, this is a guy that we could end up being wrong about. I definitely think there's a chance that everything clicks. You know, the power goes there. The approach gets better. He doesn't walk a lot either. Walk rate is a t- uh, tick under 5% for his career through 751 plate appearances. He's walked 36 times. So I, we could be wrong on him. There's always that chance. It's a chance on everybody that we could be wrong on him. That's what that's the the glorious nature of prospect ranking and analysis where you can be super wrong on guys or super right on guys. That happens. So Mauricio could be one that, like you said, we have to eat crow on a handful of years down the road, but I just I don't see it happen. Like you, I don't see that happening. But moving on here to one of the harder prospects to rank right now, just because of not just because of his baseball skills, but because of you know off the field issues. And that's O'Neill Cruz. You see him ranked all over the place and on rankings. Some still very high, some have dropped him lower. You'll see that with our consensus rankings that we'll talk about here in a second. But Chris, you're you're lower, you're the low man here on him in terms of our consensus rankings. You have him a lot lower than I do. 
Why is it that you have him lower in your rankings? It's only because of the legal issues. I had him top 50 prior to the 2020 season. It was He was right around the 50 number. I love what he has to offer. That raw power is absolutely insane. I mean, he's a monster. He's he's six foot seven, two ten, like Aaron Judge <laughs> yeah. big, which is kind of scary because yeah. those bodies just those bodies are made of glass sometimes. They just they're like so tightly wound. It's like they just can't stay healthy. And so it kind of scares me a little bit. But surprisingly, Cruz could stick yeah. at shortstop. Like he's good enough in the field and he's got an elite arm too, which is absolutely insane. There's a lot of different outcomes here, but like you mentioned, surprisingly a good runner for his size. Like what kind of guy <laughs> that's six, seven, two ten has plus right. speed? Kind of crazy, but he's clocked some pretty good times. I mean, he stole 10 bases, at least 10 bases every season in the minors, which is pretty impressive for a big boy like that. I mean, the power is just so raw. I mean, you could say that he has potential to have 80 grade raw. Like there's just that much raw power in the tank. Obviously, it's hard to tap into that and say you'd actually get to that, but th- it's in there. Like, there's that much power. You see him, some of the home runs he hits, they just fly for, for absolute days. It really hasn't translated to game power like you'd expect yet, but there's no reason to believe it won't. I mean, he's still fairly young. He's just 22 years old. And so he, the last time we saw him, he was 20. 2019, he was 20 years old. He went from rookie ball up to double A. He played in three stops, and he was impressive at every stop. So the hit tool has been refined. Like he's he's shown to hit for better average as he's progressed, which has been encouraging. My biggest concern is the legal issues. I dropped him a lot. Like I dropped him outside of my top 100 because I don't know. He was playing winter ball. So that's a good sign at least. But like dude killed three people. Dude was driving drunk and killed three people. So it's like uh, it makes you scratch your head and just say like, you know, what's going to happen? Obviously, right. he was playing winter ball, which is an encouraging sign. Did they just dismiss the case? I don't know. Different countries are different. So we don't really know those things. The unknowns and the wide range of outcomes is a it's a big reason that I dropped him, more specifically for the legal issues. If all comes back, he's just comes back to America. He starts the season in spring training. Nothing's coming about it. Sure, I'll bump him back up because I think he's legit. I have no problem doing that. But right now, my concerns with him – has caused him to lose value for me, but you're still yeah. high on him. What you got? Yeah, it, it's funny. You, you look at our uh, our consensus here that we'll we'll put out in the next couple of days as we always do, and this just shows the the range of O'Neill Cruz from talent to you know the legal issues factoring in. Chris has him 27th, and that obviously that's him. He's factoring in you know the legal issues. I didn't. I have him 12th. That's a, that's a huge gap. You know, like like Chris mentioned potential top 50 guy out of the top 100 it's it's hard and obviously legal issues if he gets you know thrown in jail you know obviously then then what do you do but right now if i rostered o'neill cruz in the dynasty league i don't know what i would do if i didn't roster him i would at least check in with the person that does just because if they're more on the kind of worried side of things with cruz and just kind of looking to get rid of him just because they're worried about that he might get, you know, put in jail and miss several years, and maybe you know, obviously, maybe he's never, never plays at all again. But it couldn't hurt just to see if you can get him for pretty cheap. Because if it's a low risk type of move, and he everything turns out to be fine, like Chris said, and he, he's back, you know, in spring training next year, and, and nothing ever comes of this, 
and no charges are really filed, then you could have got you got a top 50 caliber prospect for a price tag that's a lot lower than that. So it like I said, it couldn't hurt to check in on O'Neill, uh, O'Neill Cruz right now in Dynasty Lease because you can get him for a pretty, pretty affordable price. But you know, like you mentioned, the, the power is elite here. He keeps growing, too. I saw a report that he was 6'9". I know. It's like, I don't get it. It's kind of like in uh, for all you NBA fans, um, Jason Tatum, every year, he was like, oh, he's 6'. I heard earlier, he's 6'11 now. I'm like, Jesus, like, how tall? And, like, I'm I'm, I'm waiting to see a report, and it's like, O'Neal Cruz is now 7'2". Like, is <laughs> he done growing? I don't know. Right. He's, he's still is he, he's 20, I think, right? So it's not out of the wrong possibility that he grows more. Right? Yeah, that's scary. But it's like, like Kevin Durant where they list him at like 6'9", but he's he's standing there against all these sinners that he's taller than. You're like, what did that happen? I know. It's the fact that this guy, he's not a first baseman. He's not a corner outfielder. He's a freaking shortstop and a solid one at that, too. Like, like you mentioned, there is a chance – he sticks that shortstop. Everyone's like, oh, well, he's so tall. Yeah, but he moves well. He's got a good, uh, solid glove. He, he's not going to be a gold glove caliber shortstop, but he's at least adequate there. He's got a strong arm. If I had to guess, though, I do think long-term he plays more third than short. Um, the arm will definitely fit there at third as well. The power will fit there at third. But he could be a very, uh, very, very uh, above-average offensive shortstop or third baseman. So, like I said, if you can get him – for a, a pretty steep discount right now, if the the person that's rostering him in your dynasty leagues is very very worried, then I would try to uh, go out and get him right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was going to bring up the crazy point you mentioned that you have him twelve and I'm twenty seven. So I looked him overall. I've got him one twenty three overall. Where I had him before would have been right where Hasyong Kim is, which is like fifty five overall, which is my twelfth shortstop. So it's interesting <laughs> that I mean that's the talent level. So you see right. the big. You're going to see our consistency rankings. You're going to see, holy cow, 12 to 27. But if he, like, the talent level is that high, no doubt. So yep. he's a, he's a, he can be elite. And I have him 56 overall. Sorry, right in that general vicinity, you said 55 for your number 12 guy. So, yeah, so borderline top 50 guy. He was top 50 before this year, and then we added in. I probably had, I think, 10 or so of the 2020 draftees jumped ahead of him. So, like, I think I had him low to mid-40s for this year and in a normal year he would have had more prospects graduating so he probably would still be in my top 50 um if not for that if we had a normal non-covid year but yeah that, that just shows the the upside of cruise everything goes right probably 2022 debut but moving on here to two guys that are very very different both in the same system though let's talk a little bit about greg jones and xavier edwards of the race we went over edwards a little bit in our second base episode which we already ranked him there as well but these two are very, very intriguing speed guys. Both, you could say, are at least plus. You know, Edwards is probably double plus. Jones is definitely double plus. So if you threw sevens on both their speed, I wouldn't scoff at that. Very different, though, the two of them. Even though both the, the speed tools are elite here, the, the hit tool is much, much more developed for Xavier Edwards. While Jones has a little bit more power, he doesn't have a ton of power, but I think Jones could be like a 10 to 15 home run guy, you know, while Edwards has hit one home run in like the last 53 years. So you're not looking at any power from him, but Edwards has a plus hit tool. He has a phenomenal approach. 
Jones is that that's the areas where Jones is still working. But you know, Chris, you know, we're talking upside here, strictly an upside. Who would you rather have, Greg Jones or Xavier Edwards? Probably Xavier Edwards, just from the hit tool standpoint and the speed. I do think I actually think that Edwards has better speed than Jones, and he's definitely got the better hit tool. Jones, okay. Jones is probably getting to average power potentially. Uh, Edwards, yeah, not so much. <laughs> I was I was on I was on Fangraphs and their their little short tidbit about Edwards it says his ex, his exit velos are weaker than Blake Snell's jawline, but oh. X can hit and play all over the diamonds. <laughs> I had to say that because I just saw it. It was dying laughing. His is, exit velos are weaker than Blake Snell's jawline. Is that wow. like a is that did he pay them to say that after Blake Snell slapped it comment? Right. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, uh, hey, Fangraphs, could you uh, throw a little shot at, even though it's a shot at himself too, but, you know, like, could you throw a little shot at uh, Blake Snell's jawline? <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> right. I was, I saw that I was dying laughing. I was like, I got to mention that. That's, that's yeah. great. Edwards has the better speed. You know that he's going to steal a crap ton of bags, but he can't hit the ball past the infield. So that's the concern. He just doesn't hit the ball very hard at all. But he's got the speed, man. He could probably bunt every time and get on base, you know, hit for 300 if he just bunted, drag bunt down the third baseline every time. It would be pretty crazy if he actually did that. You know, he's not going to. I'm just joking. The hit tool is solid. He just doesn't have good power. But all around, like, Edwards is a solid guy. I just wonder, I really just wonder about what kind of fantasy asset he's going to be. Is he Malik Smith when when Smith hit 300? Like when Smith showed that capability to hit 300, is he just Malik Smith? I don't know. And that's concerning because how did we value Malik Smith Smith then? Because there was one season, I got to look, there was one season I'm almost certain that Malik Smith hit 300. He's still like 40-some bags. But he wasn't like a high-end fantasy asset. All right, yeah. In 2018, with the Rays actually, hit 296, stole 40 bags, hit two home runs. 40 RBIs and 65 runs. Is that going to be Xavier Edwards? That's my concern. Could be. That, that's my only concern here. Obviously, he plays a more premium position if he does stick there, like if he does stick at second or short. But regardless, that's just my fear. At least with Jones, you see some power. We didn't see it when he debuted in 2019, but during hit for hit 335, hit one home run, stole 19 bags in 48 games. So I do think the power with him gets to at least like 15 home runs a year. You're not getting that with Edwards. So <laughs> it's kind of like pick your poison here with what you want. Jones is probably more well-rounded. And I mentioned that the hit tool was behind Edwards, but you look at that and he's like, he hit, hit 335. He hit for great average in college. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're just – lagging a little behind on the hit tool when he's really better than he is. So that in, intrigues me to look into him a little more, at least. Yeah, he's one that I'm definitely intrigued to see. I almost went and saw him uh, in 2019. I'm said last year, not two years ago at this point. Damn COVID. Um, in 2019, uh, when he was in the uh, the New York Penn League, but I wasn't able to get down there. But yeah, he's definitely one that intrigues me. Where I want to see how he is at the plate in 2021. And if he shows – um, you know, that he can handle that level, whatever level he's going to be at, probably high A, maybe nah, not double A, probably high A. But if he shows that he can, continues to hit at, for a high average, um, 
he's one I'll, I'll bump up a good amount in my rankings if, if that hit looks legit. That's that's my one question about him. Now he's he was a little old, you know, for the draft class. So a little old for the level he was at too. So it's kind of like, yeah, it was great, but let, let's see him again. Let's see him do it again. That's kind of where I'm at with Greg Jones. And you want to see the difference between uh, 20 to 30 grade power, which Ed- Edwards has, to 70 power with Luciano. If you go to minor graphs on Prospects Live, great tool. Smata puts it together. A lot of good you know stats on minor league prospects that go above and beyond just like home runs and RBI and steal and stuff like that. So the estimated fly ball uh, distance for Xavier Edwards, 2018, 251.6 feet. 2019, 255.4 feet. Marco Luciano in 2019, 309.7 feet. Like, and that's pretty in the area where Jay Rod was and all of them. Um, so <laughs> that's a difference of what's it about 60 to 65 feet, which is huge. That's half the outfield. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's a good chunk. So that's that's the difference between 20 to 30 grade and 70 grade power right there. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I would go. I, t- I like Edwards a little more right now just because even though I'm looking at no power, I'm looking at a potential 300 average, uh, good on, on base, probably hits high in the order with his on base and the speed. So you're looking at a bunch of runs scored. You're just not going to get anything home run or RBI. He's, he's going to be a three-category guy. Like you said, is he Malik Smith? That's I, I hate that comp, but it's so like possible. you know. So that's the worry about him. That's why... You know, hit and speed wise, he's very, very close to like Corbin Carroll. But the reason why Corbin Carroll is a top 25 guy and Edwards is more like 50 to 100 is that Carroll actually has some power, not a lot, but, you know, getting into that 10 to 15 home run range could do a lot as opposed to having one home run in like four years. So that's the difference there. But yeah, both both pretty exciting guys. It'll be interesting how that infield shakes out because, like I said, they already have Adamas there, Wander Franco, Bruhan. Xavier Edwards, Greg Jones. You know, I figure somebody moves to second, somebody moves to center field or something. It'll be interesting how they they move those pieces around. But that's uh, not a bad problem to have, both for fantasy and real life. So, yeah. And you know, the Rays, they, they pump out prospects like no one's business. So it gives me an, an added uh, level of confidence with these guys, even more so than I already did. But let's move on here a little bit and get in some newer additions to our list here. Some international guys, some draft class guys. As, as always, there was a ton of guys drafted you know, in the 2020 draft that play shortstop, as there always is. And, you know, basically everybody that comes out of, you know, Cuba and Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Panama, they either play shortstop or outfield. I swear. I just, what have you seen like a top first base prospect, out of, <laughs> out of, you know, out of uh, Latin America or a second base guy or a third base? Very few. It's like shortstop. There's like two thirds of them, and then like 25% outfielders and some pitchers. But there's three really big ones this year that are going to be signing in a few weeks now on January 15th um, when that signing period opens up. Wilman Diaz, Carlos Colmenares, and Christian Hernandez. These are kind of like the top three tier one of shortstops from this international crop. Depending on where you look, you can see them right anyway. I- I've seen. I have – they're all very close to me. Let's put, let me start by saying that. I have Diaz first and then Hernandez and then Copenares. 
Chris, I believe you have Colmenares first. I've seen Hernandez first. I've seen all three of these guys first, all three of them last. It depends where you look. They're all very exciting. So, Chris, Chris why don't you start off here? Uh, why do you like Colmenares a little bit more than the other two? Yeah, so Colmenares to me is just the most well-rounded. He may not have the loudest tools of any of them. Like, you look at Wilman Diaz, and he's got potential plus hit in the profile. Like, he's got good bat control. He's also got plus speed, potentially. But when I look at – the place where he's lagging is the power, in my opinion. Even though when you watch the film, like, he can drop some bombs. But I just think that overall, like, when you translate over here, the power's not going to be – I'm going to say it's average right now. But, again, we haven't seen enough to say for sure. Colmenares, for me, he's above average hit, above average power, above average speed, above average feel. Like, he's just above average everywhere. He doesn't stand out anywhere, but he's he's just good across the board. And that's what I like about him. I think that's why he grades out the highest for me, even though they're close. Like I got Colmenares like two spots ahead of Diaz in my overall prospect rankings. I just incorporated them in, which was kind of hard to do, figure out where to slot them. But I think we both talked about this before. They all kind of remind me a, a little bit like future value-wise of Robert Poisson, where he was last year. And so last year, you remember, Jason was like head and heels above everybody else and nobody was close. And then Poisson was second, but he was like much lower than any of the other uh, than Poisson, than Jason at least. And then this year you've got these clump of guys that have all similar future values as Poisson, but you don't have one that's like head and shoulders above any of the others. But that's just I, I just like Colmenares more because he's well he's just more well rounded and has the most like above average tools. Even though there's no like plus tools, I don't think in the profile there could be. All these guys like they're kind of like lanky tall guys they all could fill out the frame and and put on power like we don't know for sure but there's at least some intrigue there i like them all like you said i've got Colmenares, diaz and santana one two three but within my overall they're within 20 spots maybe maybe 15 spots so it's not that that big of a gap honestly because there's stuff to like about each and every one of them there's a reason you can pick each and every one of those to have that first overall ranking among the three what about you what you got yeah, no, that, that's very, very fair. And like, like you mentioned, like I mentioned too, we're splitting hairs at this point. Like there's not a huge gap here like there was last year. Like you mentioned from just on down to Poisson and Eric Pena and Bayron Laura and all of them. I look at Diaz and like, like I said, they're all super close, but he could be the next Luciano, I think. is You look at him, 6'2", 180, I think. That is, I think that's a little, that was about a year ago that was listed. So I think probably has gotten bigger since then. I haven't seen anything that supports that, but I think there's just so much projection here. He's shown already shown the MLB pipeline puts a 60 grade hit tool on him. I've seen a lot of other sites that put 55 and I'm, I'm not saying I'm an expert on prospects from the you know Dominican Republic or Panama, but you know, there's a lot of wars for the people that have gotten eyes on him a lot more than I have. Obviously, I've gotten no live looks. I'm, I'm not getting down to, to that that area. I live in Maine. I have two kids. That ain't happening. So all I see is videos that I can find online that I can look into. But the barrel control looks very, very sound. It looks very advanced. I think we could be looking at plus or better power here. Maybe not quite Luciano levels, but you know, you never know with these these guys he's still only 17 he just turned 17 a month ago in mid-november 
So you never know with guys this low exactly how that power will develop. It might develop way past what we think it could. But we could be looking at plus power, plus hit tool potentially, or at least above average, maybe even a hair above average on the on the plus, excuse me, on the power. And he's very athletic too. Like this is a strong athletic frame. So we could be looking at above average speed as well. Whether he stays at shortstop, who knows. But when you could be looking at above average to plus hit, plus or better power, average to above average speed, you know, that's almost putting you in Luciano territory, kind of getting right near it at least. I'm not saying he's going to be Luciano, but if there was one of these three that could be Luciano, he'd be my pick. But again, we're splitting hairs here. They're all very, very exciting prospects here. You know, Christian Hernandez is another one that, you know, is oozing upside, oozing projection, you know, could be above average to plus power speed guy. And he's kind of the one that has the hit tool isn't quite as advanced as Colmenares and Diaz. But then again, so young, so much time to develop. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, all three of these guys are going to be in that kind of Poisson range for me. Or I have Poisson 62 right now. I can see Diaz being right around there or the other two, probably five to 10 spots each below that. So 60 to 80 range for me. I think you have them a touch below that, but still, uh, I think you have what 70 to 90, let's say yeah. range yeah. overall in your rings that you, you tweeted out today or yesterday when people are listening to this, but yeah, so all top 100 guys kind of back end, top, back third, top 100 guys. And these are the guys that, you know, get in on now because, Likely, if they hit on their upside and these tools, you know, kind of come turn into production, these are guys that their price tags are going to skyrocket. So, uh, try you know, I have them all kind of in the 15 or no 13 to 20 ish range in my uh first year player def ranking. So, you know, back end first round, early second round type guys in there. So, if you get a pick in that general range and you kind of went safe with your first round selection. I could see definitely, you know, going the upside pick and get one of these three guys. Assuming you kind of group your league groups them together, some do them separately. Who knows? But um, yeah, definitely all very exciting. And then one more here too. That we'll talk about who isn't quite as exciting, quote unquote, as these three, but is safer. Is MLB ready? Is going to play in the Major League Baseball in twenty twenty one? That's Ha Young Kim, Chris. Give the uh, give the listeners a little bit of info on Hasyan Kim. I know you're a little bit higher on him than I am. Yep. So I've got him. I think 55th overall. Again, there's nothing much that like really stands out tool wise. He's a good runner. Like his speed's probably his his best tool. But the thing is, he's going to be up immediately. He's going to play. I've seen arguments to take him second overall in first year player drafts, which is higher than I'm willing to go. I, I'm not going to. I don't think I'm going there because of the upside of some of the other guys. But if you're competing right now and you need a piece that's going to help you, then, then Kim's that guy. So if you're sitting there in your first-year player draft and you're in contention and you're on the clock and you're picking between Kim and, let's say, like a Emerson Hancock, yeah, I might go Kim. Because if Kim helps you win this year, there's there's a good reason to take him. He showed a lot of power this year, and you're going to look at the stat line of the KBO and see – wow, this guy's going to be a monster. But the reality is like, it doesn't always translate like that. You've got to realize what they're facing, the ballparks, all that stuff. And it's like double A, triple A stuff over there. So there's going to be some time. He's going to take some time, honestly. I mean, he he may come up and start immediately, but they don't always hit immediately. 
there's going to be a transition period for Kim, for him to get used to major league pitching, to get used to how things are in America. Right? You got that's a big transition for these guys that have been in Asia their whole life, and they they uproot and come to United States of America. It's so much different. So you got to think beyond baseball of what they're facing here. But from a baseball standpoint, one benefit is Kim is pretty young for a KBO guy. Most of the time when they're posted, these guys are like 30. He's just turned 25. He's got a solid hit tool. He's got solid power and the speed solid. So I think you're looking at a guy who could hit 270. He's got 15 to 20 home run power in the bat and 20 stolen bases is what you're looking at if all goes right. So it's intriguing because I feel like he's safer. You're looking at these 17-year-olds from the Dominican and Cuba. There's some risk in the profile. Kim's more developed. His body's more developed. He's proven and played professional ball for years. And so that's why I have him ahead. And I think you're a little lower. But what's the what's your reasoning for having him lower? I like hearing both sides of the argument. I think it'll help listeners to hear both sides here. Yeah, it's definitely all about your strategy and if you're win now or you know win later, rebuilding. With my prospect rankings, I they focus more on the long term than you know what what these guys could be more so the upside than the floor, so to speak. But with with Kim, you know he's he's a solid. You know he's solid across the board, both offensively and defensively. And you know I was talking with Tim McLeod, a prospect three sixty one. You know if you're on Facebook, you probably talk with Tim McLeod in that baseball three sixty five group. He is you know kind of like the guy I talk to about these Asian imports, you know, whether it's pitchers or hitters, he's very in tune with that market over there, you know, from Japan and from the KBO. So I was talking with him a little bit. It feels like a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Time flies right now. But uh, I remember him saying that he thinks Kim could be, you know, kind of like a 12, I think it was like 10 to 15 home run guy in that range, maybe close to 20 steals, Decent enough average, won't be at super high. So that is someone that plays well now. Like that is someone that should be fantasy relevant this year. I think his ADP is in the I think the two thirty to two fifty range right now. I'd have to look it up. I've looked it up in a little bit, so it's probably a change from the last time I looked. But some guy you can take in the in the kind of later middle rounds or early part of the late rounds, kind of like your middle infield type or utility guy, or maybe even bench depth, depending on how your your team shakes out up to date in that draft, but I think it's just to be a solid asset and not someone that you're going to build around long-term. So that's why kind of why I have him a little bit lower, but like I mentioned, if you're win now and you don't want to wait on, you know, some of these guys like Austin Hendrick or a Robert Hassel or someone like that who are in the same range as Kim and my first year player draft rankings. I think I have Kim seventh right now. If you want, someone that's going to help you now over the next couple of years because you're in win now mode. It makes so much sense to draft Kim there. I would not draft him too. You know, like you mentioned, you heard some people saying they'd put him too. I, I wouldn't absolutely not, not with this long-term upside where it's good, but not great. You know, I want someone that could be a corner, whether I'm in win now mode or rebuilding, I don't care if I have a top pick. I want someone that could be a building block a cornerstone for me long-term. And that's guys like Spencer Torkelson, Zach Fien, Austin Martin, Nick Gonzalez, 
you know, if you want to go pitching, the big three of Hancock, Lacey, and Meyer, those are guys that are building blocks for your team long-term. Hashiang Kim isn't. He could be a good piece for you now, 2022, 2023, absolutely. But, you know, looking at 2024, 25, when a lot of those guys that you might have passed on because they're farther away, when they're getting up to the major leagues, you know, the the offensive potential difference between the two is, is pretty sizable. So that's kind of why, why I have him lower. But like I said, I won't fault anybody for for taking him, you know, in the middle of the first round if you're in win-now mode. I could definitely see that. Because who knows if, you know, why I like Hassel and Hendrick and those guys. I don't know if those are necessarily building blocks. They could be if everything clicks, but they're not, you know, quite on the Veen, Martin, Torkelson level. So I can see Kim taking Kim over some of those guys. But now moving on to the draft class here. We've already talked about some of the bigger names from this position, but there's a lot of other ones here, um, as there is every year. There's a ton of shortstop drafted. Some of these guys are just defense only, like Alika Williams. Not, not only, but defense first, I should say, sorry. Like Alika Williams, Nick Lofton, but there are some pretty intriguing ones. So let's just pick a couple here as we'd be here another hour if we talked to all of these guys. So, Chris, why don't you pick like one or two that really stick out for you at this at, from this draft class? Sure. Yeah. Obviously, Ed Howard's the top guy. Like he was the head and shoulders, top shortstop, just pure shortstop all around. Like just average to above average tools everywhere. A great athlete. I think he's just going to be a really solid player. So Howard is kind of that guy. And then then it drops down a little bit from there for like fantasy purposes. You see kind of a variety of opinions on guys that you like, some that you don't like. Um, that guy for me that's a little lower that I like is Carson Tucker. And he was a first-round pick, but for fantasy purposes, he's been ranked a lot lower. I've seen him in the the 50s and so for FYPD, maybe even lower. But I do like Tucker. I think that there's speed there to like. He's got a great arm. I think he sticks at shortstop for one. And then the hit tool's developing. I think that's where it's lagging right now. But the still developing hit tool there's solid raw power in the frame. And so that's just one of the reasons that I like Tucker. Um, other guys that I like, we've we've talked a little bit about Hayden Cantrell when we talked about first-year player draft guys. He's one of the lower guys I think is intriguing. Uh, Mason Wynn's another one who's a two-way guy where he could play shortstop, he could pitch, we don't really know. But there's intriguing skill sets there for, for Wynn if he does end up um, as a shortstop. I think there's a lot to like in the profile uh, hitter wise. So we'll see how that all turns out, but I'm getting over getting late in the show. So I'm not going to go too in depth, but I'll let you hit on a couple guys there who you really like in this draft class. Yeah. Mason Wynn, he's very exciting. Like you mentioned, he's like, he's like the only one that I could, I have legit two way aspirations for, because he's very good on both sides. So I'll be interested to see. He's one I'm gonna keep an eye on uh, closely in the next year or two as he gets in the minor leagues and starts developing and, you know, playing both sides of the ball. But a couple for me, you know, Ed, Ed Howard's another great one too. I think he's going to be a fan favorite in Chicago, but one that's at least pretty intriguing, not quite as high as Ed Howard, you know, a little, kind of more of the mid rounds for a first year player draft, but Casey Martin uh, went to the Phillies for, out of uh, university of Arkansas. Very, very exciting profile, but there's some risk there because of the hit, the hit tool isn't quite as advanced as, you know, we would like it to be, but the power and speed blends are pretty, pretty intriguing, which is why, you know, he'd be one where I would probably take a, a flyer on him 
just so Heasy does hit, then you're looking at a guy that could be a 20 home run, 25 steal type, or 15 to 20 homer, 25, 30 steal type. He's got above average raw power, maybe even borderline plus raw power, and speed is at least plus. I've seen some 70 grades put on the speed. I, I'm not going that high, but even if he's 55 power, 60 speed, you know, all he needs is fringe average hit tool. That's all I'm looking for at him. Fringe average. You know, he hit his average kind of went actually went down in each year at Arkansas. He hit 345 in 2018 and then 286, 271. Doesn't walk. He walked a little under 10% in, in college, but doesn't walk a whole ton there. You know, strikeout rate is a little higher, but there's no huge issues with the strikeout rate. I don't think it's going to be that. It's more so the contact than the in the pitch selection or the chase issues. So he's one to look, look for um, if the, the hit tool can develop there. And another one here I kind of like a little more than most is Jordan Westberg. And I have him ranked probably higher than most in my first-year player draft rankings. Where I think I have him in the 30s, I want to say. Um, he went to... I went to Baltimore. Could be a nice little middle infield pairing there with Gunnar Henderson. We'll see how maybe Westbrook moves over to short. I mean, um, moves over to second base. Who knows? But again, hit tool isn't quite as advanced. But you know, he's kind of like a slightly better hit tool than Casey Martin. A little less power and speed. But you know, even if he gets a fifty hit, we could look at a fifty hit average or slightly above average power. Fifteen twenty home run guy, twenty steals or so. Not a building block by any means, but definitely someone that could be a maybe at best case scenario, some guy you're plugging into your middle infield or utility, you know, if everything clicks with him. But yeah, he was a college guy, so he'll be a little bit quicker riser, you know, than most. And Baltimore's player development, you know, system is on the rise here with, with the new people they got in, in in charge here. But so with him, I said not quite as high upside as Martin, but maybe a little safer, but definitely something that you could see me maybe crack top 100s, you know, by the time he gets up to double A, triple A, maybe if everything goes right, but just, just someone to keep an eye on in the middle rounds. And like you mentioned, Werner Blakely is a good one in the late rounds. Uh, Hayden Cantrell, another one, Freddie Zamora has got good speed. So he's one to look out for for that speed alone. But yeah, a lot of, you know, if you want to grab a couple of these guys late, see if they stick, see if the upside you know, can come to fruition here. That wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. But moving on to our final segment here. I know we're we're already running late here. This is already our longest episode, but we, we said that in the beginning. This probably be our longest episode it is. But we can't get out here without getting into some breakout, some upside picks here. Maybe we'll go a little bit quicker here just to keep the, uh, keep the time not too, too long here. But, Chris, we're going to go three each this time. Usually we do two each, but we want to do three. So, Chris, why don't you give me um, your first one here? Yep, the first one is Leover Pacuero with the Pirates. He came over in the deal from Arizona in the Starling Marte deal. And it's funny, the Diamondbacks did not keep Marte long. They gave up two pretty good prospects in that deal. And I like Pacuero a ton. He's really developing. He's finally catching a lot of people's eye now. A great hit tool. I think it's potential plus. Like he's got that kind of upside in the hit tool. He's been very young for his level and he's still produced at high levels, which I think is very encouraging to see. Um, and then the power is also still developing. Think that think the power gets to probably average, maybe a little below average, but the speed with the hit tool 
lot to like there. So Paguero is the first guy I think that he really breaks out this year. It'll be like his first kind of full season. We didn't really see him get a full season in 2018 or 2019. He was just 17, 18. He didn't put up full season numbers. He played uh, about 40 games in 2018. He played close to, he played exactly 60 in 2019. So over a full season this year, I think Paguero really stands out and he really makes a leap. I'm seeing a lot of people put him in the top 100. He's like right inside my top 100 as well. And I think that he really takes off. Who's your first breakout for 2021? Yeah, my first guy here is Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies, one of the the few bright spots in this system, which actually isn't that great of a system. And just wait till Dave Dombrowski gets a hold of it, because as you saw with my Red Sox, our system went from being a top five system to a bottom five. It's on the rise again, but he uh, definitely has a way of depleting farm systems here. So don't be surprised if he trades away Bryson Stott. But for right now, he's a Philadelphia Philly. They drafted them 14th overall in the 2019 draft out of UNLV, the running Rebels. And he is just very, very good across the board. He had th- slash 340, 433, 515 in college with 15 home runs and 34 steals across 171 games. You know, the hit tool and the speed sounded a little bit more than the power. Even though you look at him, he's 6'3", 200. He kind of looks like DJ LeMayhew. But remember early in DJ's career, he didn't really hit a lot for a lot of power for the last couple of years. So that's kind of the same, maybe the same thing with Bryson Stott, or maybe he's more of like a 15 homer guy, but you know, we could be looking at above average hit tool, above average speed. You know, maybe that hit tool gets no plus because you know, the barrel control, he has a, he sprays line drives all he can use the entire field and make hard contact in the entire field from the left side. Very smooth swing, slightly open stance with hands a bit higher pre pitch, moderate load and leg kick, fluid hand movements. He's direct to the ball plus bat speed, but more of like a line drive, gap-to-gap type hitter than someone that's going to you know, mash home runs over the fence. But it's a very good all-around hitter. Could be looking at 280 to 290, 12 to 15 home runs, 20-plus steals. And who knows that power? He's got the frame for it, so won't, won't be surprised if he started inching up near more of like a 20-homer guy. We'll have to see. But you know, he, he stepped right in to rookie ball in low A last year, slash 295, 391. 494 walked more than they struck out in college too. Very good eye at the plate. So definitely a guy to look, look forward to. He could be a big jump. He's outside my top 100 now, but with a full year in 2021, if he keeps doing what he, what he's been doing, I think I could see him moving up in the, like the 60 to 70 range overall in my rankings. And then my next guy here is Eduardo Garcia of the Milwaukee Brewers. And he's one of the, the lone bright spots in the system that, you know, it's a little better now than it was. It's not Washington Nationals bad anymore. But you know, Edward Garcia is one of the, the bright spots in the system, along with Hedbert Perez and you know, Antoine Kelly and Ethan Small and all of them. But we only got 10 games out of Garcia in 2019 in the Dominican Summer League because he broke his ankle sliding in the second base. So we have a very, very, very small sample size so far. But he impressed in that small sample size, 313, 450, 469. Had a home run in the steal in, in 10 games. Scored six runs. Walked six times in nine Ks. He has kind of been known a little bit more for his defense so far, but the offense definitely has some projection too. Maybe not to Hedbert Perez levels, but you know, with added bulk, he's 6'2", only 160. So there's plenty of, of projection there. And you know, you could see a – he's already shown – or he's already flashed, I should say, an average – raw power so 
we could be looking at if bulk is added, maybe above average power, you know, around an average hit tool uh, from the right side. He's not a speedster. You know, you'd think he would be, but I think long-term, especially if he adds bulk, he's only an average speed guy. But if we can get 50 hit, 55 power, 50 speed, you can get him for basically nothing right now in Dynasty Leagues. Very, very low price. He's he's starting to rise now, but right now is a great time to buy him. So um, he, he was added to the Milwaukee Twitter pool in mid-August, too, and there was some good reports out of the alt site as well. So very, very... Um, positive on Garcia, not going to be a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely a guy that could definitely jump, jump up rankings here in 2021. But Chris, who are your last two guys? Sure. Yep. The first, uh, second, I guess I'd say is Jeremiah Jackson with the Los Angeles angels. Uh, Jackson was drafted out of high school in 2018 and he has taken some, some big steps forward. Um, we saw in 2019, the power breakout really happened and it was power that, a lot of people didn't expect him to have, but the reports out of the Angels organization is that he had the best batting practice sessions of anybody in the organization not named Joe Adele. So pretty impressive. His exit velos, they say, were at least five miles an hour over the rookie league average in 2019. So he hit the ball. He's hitting the ball extremely solid. We saw the power really break out. In 2019, as he hit 23 home runs and just – in 65 games, which is pretty impressive. The concerns here are the strikeout stuff. He's got a lot of swing and miss. He struck out 33% of the time in 2019, which is highly concerning. Walks at a good clip, though. But if he can hone in on the swing and miss stuff and improve the hit tool, then there's a really special player here because he's also got above average speed. He likes to run. So if he can get the hit tool to average, then we're looking at a really special player. I think there's some question marks there, whether it does or not. But even if he just gets to like a slightly below average hit, if he can hit 250 with that power speed combo, you're looking at a pretty special player, I think. And I do think that he can continue to refine the hit tool because he was, he's young. He was just 18 and 19 in those stops in 2018 and 2019. So there's a lot of development to be had. His frame pretty solid. He's six foot 165. So there's some, some weight projection there that if he continues to grow into power, I do like Jackson a lot. And I do think that we'll see him uh, take off next year and he's kind of versatile. He could play second base, shortstop, third base. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him anywhere over there. My next guy is with your Boston Red Sox and that's Brainer Bonacci. Now, Bonacci's pretty intriguing. He's a tiny little guy, listed at 5'10", 140. He's got surprisingly good power for his size. I do think that he can add a little weight. Again, he's young. He's just 18 years old. We saw him debut in 2019 at 16. All right, He played rookie ball at 16 years old. Very, very young. Think about when you were 16. What were you doing? You weren't playing professional ball in the rookie league. But <laughs> you're probably uh, you're probably pretty small. But think about this: like he can put on a lot of weight. He can still grow. So at 16 years old, there's a lot of projectability left in this frame. That was the last time I think that his height weight was recorded. Then in 2019, when he was still just 16, which is insane. But he did look pretty impressive. 61 games. He stole 18 bags, slash 279. 356 OBP and 397 slug. So the power was lacking, hit just three home runs. But there's been a lot of good reports out of camp that he has really been growing into this power. 
And if he taps into that, man, he could turn into a pretty special player, I think, because he's a solid spray hitter for one. He's going to hit a lot of gaps, have a lot of doubles and triples with that speed. I think the hit tool is average to above average early on right now, but it could continue to grow, man. He's a solid hitter. He's got good bat-to-ball skills. Like I said, the power is pretty impressive for his size. I think that he continues to grow into that, and the reports have been really good out of camp. He's a good runner, good in the field. He's likely to stick at short. He could also play third base, though. But Bonacci is very intriguing to me. He's a guy that's just going to pop up a lot of places, I think, this year, and you're going to start to see him get recognized more and more because he does have the tools to really stand out. So I'll turn it back over to you for our last one of the night, and we will close out this long but epic show. Yes, epic is a great way to describe it. So, and there's definitely, there's a lot, as a Red Sox fan, I can tell you, there's a a fair amount of excitement around Bonacci right now. I love that name, Brainer Bonacci. That is... Sounds like should be like a like a Renaissance era painter or something like that. Like some Brainer Bonacci. I love that name. Um, so definitely a lot of excitement. You know, one of the more exciting guys in our Red Sox system. But moving over to arguably the most exciting system and one of the most exciting players in this system. Go over to the West Coast, San Diego Padres with Reginald Preciado. Reginald. That's a very fancy name. Reginald um, Preciado. Shortstop prospect, obviously, I don't need to say that. But if you know me, you know I kind of have a type. I love these slightly, you know, these taller shortstops with physical projection on their frame. And Preciado fits that mold to a T. Was that 6'4", 185, still only 17 years old. Was a 2019 J2 signing out of Panama by the Padres for $1.3 million. So we still haven't seen him make his debut yet. You know, which is, it sucks. You know, we haven't seen him or Son or Poisson, any of these guys make their debut. Eric Pena. So that kind of stinks that we haven't gotten them in game action yet. But, you know, fingers crossed we will in 2021. And he's one I'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh, in rookie ball because it's that power projection that he has. He's a switch hitter. He's shown a good feel for hitting from both sides of the plate and tons of bat speed. And he's already flexing above average raw power and with projection on that frame adds some bulk there, which is likely at least some, maybe not a lot, but some you could be looking at a plus power shortstop. And like I said, hit tool. We'll see, you know, it's, it's hard to say with these guys, but I won't be surprised if he's an above average hit tool down the road. So maybe best scenario looking at above average power plus speed, not a burner right now. I've seen some 50 or 55 rates on his speed. If he adds bulk, you know, it may probably more of a 50 grade speed guy, but you know, add in, you know, eight to 10 steals a year to that offensive potential, you know, get Preciado now because you've heard me talk about the Padres tax. You've heard many talk about the Padres tax around the prospect world that, these guys just get amped up a little bit more than other systems because, oh, it's the Padres, and they've had this this huge system for the last handful of years. And then, you know, if not the top system, one of the top three to five systems in baseball for the last half decade now. Once he gets into game action and if he starts flexing these tools that we're talking about now, that tax is going to kick in. It's not quite there yet. The tax isn't there right now because he hasn't played yet. It's kind of hard to put a tax on a guy that hasn't played yet. But – 
when people start getting eyes on Preciado in games, you know, in in rookie ball next year, and if he starts hitting and hitting for power, stealing some bases, that tax is gonna definitely kick in. So go get him now. Well, the price tag is still pretty pretty low, actually. I have him a little bit outside my top 100. I can definitely see him pushing top 50 by this time next year. I think the upside is that high. So definitely go out and get some Reginald Preciado right now. But yeah, that is going to wrap us up here. Our longest episode to date, but I hope you all enjoyed it. For everyone that stayed with us through the entirety of the episode, I'm giving you a you know a virtual pat on the back here through the airwaves, through your earbuds there. Um, thank you very much for the support this week. And as always, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope this is helpful for you. And we will be back next week for another great episode. We got the studs now. We got the big boy positions. Yeah, get get your get your big kid pants on for these ones. We're outfield next week. A lot of great names there, obviously, leading off with my boy Kelnick and then J-Rod. So that'll be another fun episode. And we will get our consensus rankings out probably on Wednesday, as we always do. So look out for those on our Twitter feed, which is at Fantrax Toolshed. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Aircross04. Thanks for sticking with us again this week, and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care.